Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, I hope you're having a happy Tuesday, a stressless Tuesday, maybe a peaceful Tuesday. I don't know. I'm just glad you're listening to the show. I always love it when you spend time with me. And we are talking this week about God. Nothing is impossible for God. And how big our God is and that he is so worthy of our trust. Because faith is really all about trust. So we left off yesterday. I gave you these statements from, we, we read all those verses yesterday about who God is and what he can do and, and, and how powerful he is and how faithful he is and all these different verses. And it really comes down to this. Nothing is impossible for God. With God, all things are possible. God's arm is not too short to, to save. And nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. And isn't that so amazing that, that we can be so egocentric sometimes and think we have so much power that we can mess up God's plans? And Jeremy, we, he and I were talking about this before the show, about we're kind of just a grain of sand. And to think that I'm just a grain of sand, but I get so self-empowered thinking I can really mess up God's plans. He already knew every single step, every breath, every thought I was going to have when he created me. He knew it all. And one of the nicest statements God gave me was, he said, Cynthia, I have made provision for all of your successes, and I have made provision for all of your mistakes. What a powerful thought that he's already set up everything I need for my successes, and he set up everything I need for all the mistakes I'm going to make. These are amazing, amazing statements when you think about this, when God says, nothing is impossible for me. Nothing. And so I think about the miracles in my life and I think, and, all, and I look back at the history of God and his endurance with me, his faithfulness with me. He never gave up on me, never walked away from me, never hated me, never judged me, always loved me, wasn't always happy with me, absolutely. <laughs> but that had nothing to do with his commitment to me. So I have great history. So when you ask yourself, where is my faith? You need to point to history. You need to go back to history. You have history with people. You have history with companies. You have history with churches. And that affects and colors the way you react or think about them, doesn't it? Do you have good history with people? Because history is one of the most powerful variables in developing, strengthening, or destroying trust. Because we said yesterday, and we're, we're really focusing on this, faith must be founded in trust. 
as well as knowledge and belief. So I'm going to give you this equation. And we'll also get it posted on the, the website in the blog. That is knowledge, knowledge, plus evidence in history, plus belief, plus trust equals faith. So we have a knowledge of God, and then we look at all the evidence and history of what God has done in the world, in others' lives, in my life. That helps me believe that he is who he says he is, and then I add trust. So I trust him. That is my faith. That gives me faith. So knowledge, history, belief leads to belief. We add trust and that gives us faith. So when we try to, quote unquote, believe the above statements, we often try to muster up or, or will ourselves to have faith in God for what we need. But where does my faith come from? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it simply thought and knowledge? See, God in his mercy gives us all the above variables as a way to support and strengthen our faith so that it is unshakable and enduring. I really want you to know today that the enemy wants to condemn you if you feel like you've lost faith. The enemy wants to condemn you if you think you don't trust. God does not get offended. He's not easily offended. He knows how hard it is down here. He knows how, he really knows who we are, how fallible we are. And many times, how sensitive we are, how fragile we can be, how scary the world can be. He doesn't get offended when we start to think he's not who we thought he was. He's always proving himself. And he doesn't mind doing it. However, think about if you were in relationship with somebody and you constantly had to prove yourself to them. Right? Okay, so... I love you, so I will. But you want that person that you constantly proved yourself to to start relying on some history, right? That helps us relax. That helps us to relax. And just say, you know what? God's holding me. God's got me. It looks crazy right now. It looks horrible right now. It looks terrible. Or I've done a terrible thing. Or I've really screwed up. I have to remind myself, I have, I have history with God. And we're in the 21st century, so we can look back on a ton of history. Think of how Adam and Eve felt. And see, we have a ton of history. We have a ton of knowledge. We have a ton of evidence. So knowledge and truth, that variable, this is who God says he is. My father, my friend. This is, this is him telling us his character, his love, his justice, his purity, his honesty. And we read all those verses yesterday. That's knowledge and truth. My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth are my thoughts from yours. He says my arm is not too short to save. And so this is knowledge and truth. And then we look at evidence and history. So what's the evidence? Well, one of the biggest pieces of evidence to God's grace is that the earth is still here and we are all still here and he is still working amongst, amongst us and he hasn't like destroyed the entire planet or the universe. 
It's amazing to me sometimes when I think about the fact that as soon as Eve ate the apple and then Adam joined in, and God knew, he looked all the way into the 21st century, and he knew what a big cleanup job it was going to be. And he, and he said he was willing to do it. He could have scrapped the plan right there, right when Adam and Eve went that crazy direction. He could have said, ah, this is not working. I'm going to start over. He could have destroyed the whole thing, created a new plan. But he didn't. He's committed to his creation. I mean, this is true commitment that we are all still here. And so that's evidence. That's great history. Now, when we look at this other variable in the equation of belief, this is believing in him because of all those above issues of history, evidence, knowledge, and truth. The belief in my father, the belief in in love, the belief in his commitment and how enduring he is. And that leads me to that last one, which is trust. So now I trust who he says he is because of what he's done. And so I trust him when it doesn't make sense. And like we said yesterday, the greatest compliment you could ever give to God is trust. Think of how you feel when someone trusts you. We're mistake-making people and people trust us. I work so hard in the beginning of the therapeutic process to gain the trust of my clients. If they don't trust me, they can't heal. If I have to prove myself every single session, it's, it's kind of like that, that, that you know, idea that, that I have a new day every day, but the day is still the same. It's like Groundhog Day. If I have to prove myself every single session, I can't get past that. I can't get past anything because I have to keep repeating the trust process. Now, I have great endurance. And sometimes, depending on the level of injury for a client, depending on how, uh, their, the history they've had maybe with other therapists or pastors, you know, depending on all of that, the evidence they had that, well, therapy doesn't work, they've seen people do it and they never changed, And so they might not have good history, and they might not have good evidence, and they may not know, they may not have the knowledge and truth of what the therapeutic process is and how, how much that can heal. So I have to work on trust so that they believe in the process. So I'm starting at the end of the equation, and I'm moving back many times. This is what God does with us. So the reason I'm giving this to you today is I want you to start at the beginning so you land at trust and stay in trust and not continue to have God have to prove himself to you. Think of that. Think of how you feel if you have to constantly prove yourself to someone in your life as if you have no, no history, as if they have no knowledge of you. So I have to remind myself, I know who he is. We have really good history. I believe in who he is. So even when it doesn't make sense, I focus on trust. Trusting him. That's faith. That's my faith. All this produces that faith. And that then gives me hope for the impossible. 
And the nice thing about hoping for the impossible is that I recognize that I might not be seeing as far as God is seeing. It's kind of like me saying to God, okay, I have great history with you on road trips and I have a lot of knowledge um, about how you do it and I understand the truth of who you, you know, who you are and so I have great belief that you're going to get me from Phoenix to Tucson and I'm going to trust you to do it. And so what happens sometimes is God says, okay, I know, you, you only can see Tucson. I'm taking you to Mexico City. That's the most amazing part of trust and belief, is saying that maybe the thing that I'm hoping for really is a small, small piece of the, of the greater picture. And that's the trust piece that says, okay, that, that's all I can see, but there may be something so much bigger. So I'm going to work on being flexible and saying, that's all I see. That's what I'm hoping for. It feels impossible for me to get from Phoenix to Tucson, but I'm believing. And then I'm going to take that belief and turn it into trust so that I'm trusting that if I surpass Tucson or I get diverted onto another road, I'm going to trust that God just wanted me to start heading in that direction. It might not be Tucson as the destination. He just needed me to start driving south. And I tell clients so often, I say to them, you know, God cannot steer a parked car. So I don't even care if you're going in reverse. If you're just moving, then, then we can adjust. We, but if you won't move forward, if you won't even try, if you have to have all the ducks lined up in a row before you even take a step, it's really difficult to steer a parked car. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, etc. And this comes from the verse, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this is beautiful. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what we're saying to ourselves is, we have past evidence, so we're going to hope for something even though we don't have evidence. So my faith, my trust that God can do the impossible, my willingness to hope for something, even though I have no evidence that it's going to happen, is because I have history. So, so what we are seeing is that faith needs to be more than just our will and our knowledge. It must be relational. It's trust. Knowledge and history and belief are necessary components within any intimate relationship, but it always needs to lead to trust. God's grace and mercy even supersedes a lack in any of these areas. That's what's so amazing about God. And I'm sure that you have relationships with, with various people. And you might have really lost some trust in them. 
And you might say, you know, I have all this evidence, but they have really let me down. I do not understand what they're doing or why they did what they did. And it causes us then to back up and to really become maybe suspicious or say, hmm, I don't know if they're who I thought they were. This is super important. When you, when you really say, wow, on a horizontal level, that's understandable with humans. But if I take that horizontal way of relating and make it vertical with God, I have now made God like a human. And the thing about that is, we have God as a human, and he was perfect. Perfect. So I want you to really understand that this whole idea of me trusting people and then losing trust because they let me down, because they didn't do what I expected them to do or needed them to do or wanted them to do or they promised they were going to do, cannot be projected onto a perfect God. So if I do the relational process with God the same way I do it with humans, it's going to really mess up that relationship really mess it up. God is not a fallen mortal. God is the God of the universe. He is perfect. He created everything. He is all powerful. And he was a perfect human, a perfect human. So you don't want to transfer the way you do trust with humans as to how you trust God. First of all, it might be a little offensive, even though thankfully God doesn't get that offended. I'm really thankful that he understands our weaknesses. But there's no reason to not trust God. None. So when we project onto him the expectations that we have in our, in our mortal relationships, we're going to make God very, very small. What we need to say is, okay, wow, I trust humans. They let me down. You know, maybe they screw me over, they mess up my life. So then maybe I decide, okay, intimacy, maybe I can't be as intimate, as close as I thought I could. Maybe they're not that trustworthy. Okay, that's an adult process. And we need to do that as adults as we are picking who we are going to bond, attach to, depend on, love, share our heart and our soul, all of that. Because not all humans, right, are safe. And every human is unsafe, but some are more unsafe than others. And so that is an important process when you are working on those horizontal relationships down here on the planet as to how you're going to relate to them and how much of you you're going to give to them due to how safe they are, how trustworthy they are, right? Well, that's a conditional issue. That's important. That's wisdom. But you don't want to do that process with God. You don't want to do a conditional relationship with God. You don't want to say, well, you know, I really wanted this, and it never happened, and so I don't know if I can trust him. I really wanted a spouse, or I really thought I was marrying the right person, and they failed me. So maybe maybe I can't really trust God because I know he told me to do that. So I'm going to back up a little bit, and I'm going to let God, you know, work a little bit harder to prove himself to me. 
Now, I get that. I've done that. <laughs> I've done that in my life before. Because we're mortals. We're fallen. We're, we're, we're at, at the core of our being, we have fear. Every human has fear at the very core of their being. That's why trust is such a big deal. So you want to really catch yourself when you are relating to God as if he is a fallen mortal. You can relate to God as a human because he is. He's Jesus. So he's our friend. We can talk to him. We can bear our soul to him. But we're not going to think that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, are actually like fallen mortals. So the trust issue with God is very different than the trust issue with mortals. That is a conditional issue in many ways. Now we have to work on being unconditional, but that doesn't mean that relationally we are always going to be unconditional. Because that, that's, you know, we've talked about boundaries before. So I want you to really consider this issue of trust and knowledge and history and belief. That's the necessary component with God. That creates our trust with him. So if you need to write down all the miracles that God has done in your life and remind yourself, that's what the Bible is about. That's what altars are about. When the Israelites were, were going through to the promised land, Every time God did a miracle, they would make an altar. And that would stand for, from that point on, anytime anyone came up to that altar, that person would say, oh, that's when God did this for them. So I have so many of those in my life, those checkpoints that I can go back to and say, why would I not trust God today? When I look back at all those altars all those things God did for me, even things I never asked for, even things I didn't expect, even things I didn't even know I wanted. And I can look at all those points and understand that I am not going to make God prove himself to me. He does not deserve that. He deserves my trust. He is a trustworthy God. This is super important. If you don't know, if you don't get anything else out of this whole entire week, this is the one, one of the most important points in your relationship with God. You can relate to him as a human, but not as a mortal, as a fallen mortal. So don't do the horizontal and make the horizontal way you relate to humans horizontal, with, vertical with God. So let, let, let's look at this verse, and in, in, um, this is Mark 9, 23 through 25. Again, if you can, Jesus says, he says, what do you, what do you you're, you're asking me if I can, and I'm saying to you, if I can? Of course I can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Intellectually, I do believe, but my heart has unbelief. I get it but I don't. So I'm really glad that you joined me today, and, and I'm hoping this is helpful. And thank you so much for all your response on social media and, and your emails and, and listening to the show and passing them on to your friends. I really appreciate that. I look forward to, to talking to you tomorrow more about this. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I want you to have a great day. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And I want you to bury that deep in your heart, deep in your mind, 
and see that as concrete that you can stand on. So join me tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you, Jeremy, for helping me so much with this show. God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.